On today's episode, it's a very, very special guest. It is the one, the only Carrie Wise. Carrie, of course, is my wife. We have been married for over a decade now. We have three amazing kids, but most importantly, she has been my primary advisor, my primary confidant, my strategist, and somebody that I run all my ideas past, and she is a great filter. And I wanted to interview her because if you are a entrepreneur and you are married or if you have a significant other, this would be a great episode to listen to with them. We talk about the trials, the tribulations, the challenges that not only the entrepreneur faces, but the entrepreneur's significant other. And my wife gives her perspective on how she has navigated that and done it so well. Uh, so. I'm so I'm so excited for you to hear this interview. So without further ado, here she is, Carrie Wise. Welcome to Experimental. I'm your host, Justin Wise, a pastor turned business consultant for growth-minded entrepreneurs and experts. It's my mission to help you take quantum leaps into your preferred future, find the highest and best use of your time, and build a business chuck full of profit so you can design the life and business you want. If you want to hear how other experts and leaders are using creativity and experimentation to grow their businesses, this show is for you. We are here with the one and only Carrie Wise. Live. And the topic of, we are in our living room, uh, and the topic for today's show is what it's like being married to an entrepreneur. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Well, since this just got sprung on me a hot hour ago, I feel prepared and ready. That's what it's like, though, being married to an entrepreneur. That is totally what it's like being uh, married to you. And we have to talk a little bit low because, real deal, our children are asleep upstairs. There is a 90% <laughs> chance that Evie will come down our middle child yeah. and say she can't sleep with her unicorn sleeping eye mask on her forehead. So we've been married for 13 years. Lucky 13. And counting. And for five of those years, six years this month, I've been out on my own. That's amazing. How do you feel about that? It seems like much longer than six years. <laughs> It does feel like much longer. Much longer. Why is that? I'm not totally sure why it feels... It feels like 60 years. It feels like the bulk of our marriage, you've been out on your own. Yeah, but it hasn't been that. But it, it hasn't. It'll be six years in the end of September. I think there was always... There was such a small amount of time where we were both working a full-time job and the rest of our employment has been so unconventional that it kind of bled into the entrepreneur 100% full-time role. Yeah, because everybody listening to this by now at least knows a portion of my story, but I don't think I've I don't think we've ever told the story from your perspective because you were the breadwinner. Della, della bills. 
How did that make you feel being the breadwinner? Um, I think early on, I was really glad that I had the position that I had because it led to some stability. It allowed us to aggressively pay off our debt. We went through the whole financial peace process and paid off debt. (laughs) She's saying that because it was all my debt. (laughs) Minus the vacuum cleaner we purchased from the uh, man who knocked on our townhouse door. Anyway, we had aggressively paid off that debt. We were able to own our cars outright. We were able to own Justin's education outright. We were able to put money every month into a pot that when his seminary bill came, we were able to pay it outright. That's right. I forgot. We were able to do a lot of things to kind of maximize the money, the limited money that we had at the time. And so in the moment, I don't think I realized what process we were going through. Let's make it real. How much were you making at the time? Oh. It was like 40 something, wasn't it? I mean, it wasn't much more than that. It might have been 48, yeah. 46, something like that. And I at the church at the time was making 28,000 maybe. Yeah. And so to be able to do that, that was before kids and right mm-hmm. when Finn was born. Correct. And when Finn was born, I stayed full-time for a while. Uh, The executive director of where I worked at was pretty flexible and allowed me to work from home a little bit and flex my hours and so forth, which allowed us to do that. Otherwise, that would have been tricky. But And we had daycare through the church at the time, which was huge with Finn. Yeah. Um, But it felt, honestly, at the time, like, (laughs) This is my life. What are we going to what are we going to do? This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I didn't ever see a door out. And it's important to set the context because there are there's lots of couples and families where they're like staying home for either spouse. There's no desire on either side of either spouse to stay at home, which is Right. Everyone's choice. Everybody's choice is yeah. different. And and one choice is not better or worse than the other. Right. It's very important that we state that because for our situation, it was, uh, I knew from really the moment we got married that you wanted to stay at home with the kiddos. I wanted to be home. You know, there are women and men who want to have, they're very passionate about whatever their career is. You know, they they have a, a definite path that they want to go on, which is great. For me, my definite path was that I wanted to be able to book, to be home to take them to school, to help at their classroom parties and be here when they got home and and just be that role. I've always wanted to do that. So at the time, that desire did not match life circumstances. But that was like, we can talk about that because it was almost like you and I both got to a spot where we knew what we wanted and it didn't ever seem that that was going to be possible. Never, ever. We even looked at the time that we were married. I had purchased a townhome several years prior to that. So <laughs> Justin, Justin <laughs> moved into my house. And this should give everybody an idea of how broke I was. Okay. So the day before we got married, 
he came over to the townhouse and dropped, this is just a side story, dropped things off, right? <laughs> As he was moving in. And I came back to the townhouse and I was like, what in the fresh heck just happened to my house? What is all this stuff? Just stuff everywhere. Yeah. Anyway, so Justin moved in. We lived in this, you know, little two bedroom slab townhome. That was great for yeah. our life situation at the time. And there was an era where we started looking at houses and we were looking at houses with the intent of if my salary is not included, what does that look at like? <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. We went into ghost houses, oh, bats flying around, cobwebs hanging down, wood crumbling out of the ceiling. Yeah. It was is really bad. Heart crushing. <laughs> I remember there's one house that we went to and uh we went up to the front door and the door was like wide open. <laughs> Come on and in. And there was no one no one was living there. It was completely Well, there were people dark. living there, but it wasn't who was supposed to live yeah, there. Yeah, it was completely dark inside and I don't even think our realtor at the time was this big burly guy. And he's like, nope, we're not, I'm not going in there. Not happening. And that was our reality. And we thought this, the, okay, okay, this is it. And it was, it was crushing. It was soul crushing. Yeah. And I look, I look back on that time and I think like, you know, you always ask the question, where was God in all this? Because we were both aware, Carrie and I were both very much aware of what we wanted to have happen, but it didn't seem like there was a way forward. And that's when I was like, okay. And some stuff happened at work. We don't need to get into it. But some stuff happened when I was working at the church where I was like, no, (laughs) this is not going to work long term. And so this part I don't talk about a ton, but I got a job at Monk, which was a phenomenal opportunity. And it was that bridge between the now and the not yet. Right. So, like, from your perspective, what was that like, that time frame? You know, I'm trying to think of even that transition of when you went from the church to Monk. I can't even remember that decision It was so fast. Yeah. I mean, I can't even remember that, that time. So, I mean, it was definitely a switch because you were then working from home. You... That's right. We're not working nights and weekends. All of a sudden, you were not, you didn't have what was called the bat phone, which is the on call oh phone. Gosh. There were just. Now, hold on a minute. Let's park there. Because that, I remember being at the church feeling like not only did I not want to do that stuff, and being in ministry, that's just part of the gig. Being working at a church is part of the gig. You work on the weekends, you work on holidays, you work. Weird hours. You are on call and you get people from all walks of life calling you at 3 a.m. saying that they are going to kill themselves or, you know, they're afraid they lost their salvation. And you were the one sitting beside me when I was taking these calls. And I remember thinking like, I don't, not only do I not want to do this, I remember you having a really difficult time with that. What was that like? I just knew for for some people, 
some people are wired to receive those type of situations and want to be helpful. And I mean, that's, but that's just their nature, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's just not your nature. It's not that you don't care. It's that that's just not how you're wired. Yeah. And so to be on a call at three o'clock in the morning with someone who is a stranger and completely broken, that's just not your nature. And so I saw from my perspective, I would see just, you know, how those type of situations or, you know, being, being needed on a Sunday morning, super early or on a holiday for you, that was just not, it's just not, it didn't, it didn't match up to what you wanted. It didn't match up to how you are wired. Yeah. It didn't match up to your gifts. And so it was just hard to see that because I knew it was not, it was not your jam. And it was, I, I mean, it took you going through that in order to really realize this isn't it. Yeah. I think that I want this. Yeah. This setting in this instance, this isn't it. Yeah. And it wasn't like what was being asked of me was, was wrong or, or unfair. It just was what the job was. Yeah. And it just wasn't who you are. And to me, you know, when we talk about entrepreneurship and spouses, you know, my situation is you happen to be my wife, but there's going to be people listening to this who the roles are reversed Mm -hmm. where maybe it's a wife who's the entrepreneur and the, 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 the spouse is at home. Right. And I think what you just identified is, is being able and when I say you had a problem with that, I don't mean you were sitting there saying like, this is wrong, this is bad, you shouldn't be doing this. But it was more like what you just explained. This does not seem to gel with the person that you are. And that's that to me is such an important role that an entrepreneur's spouse has is being able to identify what the entrepreneur's giftings are and help communicate and clarify that back to the entrepreneur constantly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because how many times do I come even now and I'm like, ugh, I don't know if I'm good at this. I don't know if I should be doing this. And what do you always say? You would be miserable doing anything else, basically. Yeah. Go put on a suit and get up at 630. Yeah. And go to a building and check in into your hours and clock in. Yeah. I mean, that's that in the same vein as ministry in the traditional sense of ministry that you were in is also not you. It doesn't work. It's not, it's not who you are. And having that encouragement from you like that has made the difference many, many times between like, I'm, I mean, this is too hard. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to go get a job. Yeah. At least once a week, right? Yeah. Some days. Um, so, so after Monk happens, we launched Think Digital and because Monk was great. It was a resting spot, but Drew, who was my boss at the time, he's like, dude, you, 
are meant to run your own thing. Drew saw the same thing in you that I saw. And as hard as that is, I'm sure for a business owner who has a great employee, a smart employee, an employee who does what they're asked and does it well to be able to say, "Mm, actually you're made for more than this. Like go, go butterfly, fly, fly away. And they really made it possible, gave me plenty of runway to basically, Monk, when I look back on it, they were really my first client. Mm. And I remember uh, Drew and and another one of uh, the co-owners of Monk, James, basically said, hey, we want to be your first client. And they were. And they gave me that kind of freedom and runway to, to launch. And so we can, you know, we can kind of fast forward a bit because the launch of the business was a little bit different than most businesses in that it took off really quick, mm-hmm. which is, which is rare. That's not the case. You don't usually hear that, but it took off pretty quick. And what were you thinking during that time? The basement years is what you call it. Why don't you explain what you mean by the basement oh my years? Gosh. So we finally did get out of the townhouse <laughs> and we moved into a home that had the same square footage as the town. A real home. Is that true? Yeah. It was the exact same square footage. Uh, maybe a dink more. But it the, had the basement. a basement. Yeah. <clears throat> which the townhouse did not. And it was just set did up. Did you just say a dink more? <laughs> dink more. I did. Anyway, so the we had finished this basement That's with right. our neighbor down the street who is a, a builder, a roofer, actually, very handyman. And he came down and would, for him, on nights and weekends, do our basement, work on our basement. And there was this tiny nook in the basement that Justin set up his little desk. It faced a wall with no windows, and it was his spot where he did all the things and created something from nothing in that sacred little space. Yeah. And we call it the basement years because it was, he was working in literally in the basement. He was transitioning from monk into his own gig at the time. And to set the context and stage, it wasn't like there was no form at that point. And it was just like, I have these three, four clients that want consulting and a little bit of implementation work. And that was it. Yeah. And I was building up to the launch of Think Digital Academy. Right. Yeah. And you were also in the process of writing your book. That's right. And so there were nights that he was down there until two, three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And would, you know, then come up to bed and he spent so much time in that basement. I mean, that is where everything started. So we call it the basement years because quite literally he was in the basement working with clients, pulling things together, creating content, writing his book and putting in insane amounts of time and brain energy to create what he made. And I, I, you know, it was a fog. 
I mean, it truly was a fog. Yeah, it was I just a like. blur. But never once did I ever hear. Uh, you never complained. You were never like, "Why are you spent? Why are you doing this? Why are you spending so much time?" And I, I hear horror stories of entrepreneurs and their spouses where that is the case. So if someone's listening and they don't have the support system that I had with you, how would you encourage that person? Or what would you say to them? And then maybe what would you say to their spouse? I I don't know because quite honestly, it is counter my nature. Totally is. It's counter my nature to be living with by the seat of his pants, entrepreneur. Yeah. It really is counter to who I am. And so I think I often just had to take a deep breath and look at the life around me and say, this is good. We're working towards something better and we're working towards something that we both agree on, that we both want. And I looked at you and I knew you're, you're going to do it. One of the first things that my mom said about Justin was that whatever you do in life, whatever your job is down the road, it's not invented yet. Like you're just going to make it up. And she was 100% right. It's spooky how accurate that statement is. It's 100% correct. Yeah. Because that's just who you are. And it, again, it's super counter to who I am, but I knew containing, trying to contain you or to control it for whatever reason, it's God's grace. Is it, what is it is completely God's grace because for whatever reason, that's just never been something that I have tried to manage or tame or fix. Never, not once. And I mean, there are times I'll be like, oh, let's rain that idea in. But for the most part, I'm just like, just do it. And so if, if you don't have people like that, I mean, I, I think really find who those people are even if it's a good friend, a fellow entrepreneur, someone who's like a mentor figure who's been there, someone who's in it at the same time, you have to find someone. And if you are the spouse who's resisting, I think a challenge for you is just to ask yourself, why am I resisting that? What am I fearful of? Why am I, why am I scared? What is it that I have to lose or to gain Um, and then pray for what that looks like because you, you can't contain someone who, you know, like trying to contain Justin, that would have just been squashing a dream. And that's not anybody's job to squash someone else's dream. Even if someone else's dream is so crazy and ridiculous. I mean, I think the best thing you can always do is encourage that person help them along the way. But was there anything that I said or did or anything that you saw that was super helpful in, you know, giving you the, the confidence to say, Holy crap, this is going to work. This is working. Well, I, I mean, you were really responsible in the fact that you, you know, for instance, you didn't leave the church until you had, the church position until you had the monk position. Yeah. You didn't fully walk away from monk until you had a client base that could support where you were at, you know? So it's not like one day you just packed up all your things and said, okay, (laughs) you were, 
you were really smart about, you know, incrementally making, you know, setting, setting goals and, um, reaching those before you moved on to the next step. So there was at no point where I'm trying to think if I was working at the time when you were launching, when you launched it, was there a backup salary? It was, I had, I remember I had four clients. Monk was one of them. Charles Lee from ideation was one of them. What year was this? This was end of 2013. Okay. So Evie was born middle of middle to end of 2013. Okay. So that means Evie was here and I was not working. Yeah. So there was no backup plan. There's none. Well, the clients, the clients I had were the backup plan to the launch of think digital Academy. Yeah. Yeah. And when think digital Academy hit, that's when it was like, we hit turbo thrusters. Yeah. And that's when I was like, okay, I can kind of breathe a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Cause I had clients where I was like, they're asking me to do stuff that I've never, I, I don't even know what they're talking about. Right. <laughs> you figured it out. So I got to figure this out. Yep. I mean, I'm working for telecom companies and they're like, Hey, can you do programmatic ad placement in these markets? <laughs> like, I just took a webinar on how to write Google. E- email <laughs> on how to do email marketing. Um, but yeah, you, you, um, that uh, Philip and Brian are friends from Uncommon Wealth. They say it, it's, I don't know how it's possible for an entrepreneur to do what they're doing if there's not some level of spousal support. Mm-hmm. And I can totally back that up because I don't know how it would I would be so much friction. It'd be so hard. It would be so hard. It almost makes you wonder if, like, our spouses, one thing our our dear friend, uh, family friend Meg says is, your spouse is the closest voice to the Holy Spirit that you have. It almost makes you wonder, like, if there is friction around that idea, maybe it is not fully formed yet. And the spouse's resistance to it is actually God's goodness and grace saying, hey, you might want to think through this a little bit more. Refine this. Yeah. Refine this or put a plan in place because, you know, during this time we had one and then we had two kiddos. So it wasn't, it was, it wasn't like, I mean, the stakes were high. They had raised up. And so I, I remember being very methodical and strategic about, okay, if worse comes to worse, how am I going to pay the mortgage? Well, we had also, because we had done financial peace. Yes. We also had saved up a pretty nice backup plan. So we had a backup plan. So we had at that point paid off all of our debt. I did not leave my position until our debt was paid. And we had a chunk of money that was set aside. I believe it was three months, something like that of expenses set aside. What if for that very reason? And you and I have both said, like if we had not gone through that, Dave Ramsey, nuke your debt. It was great. It was so helpful for us at the time. Because it gave the confidence to be like, okay, we don't have a, you know, a thousand dollar, fifteen hundred dollar, two thousand dollar debt payment. We got a service every single month. It's all done. Done. And we paid for my seminary out of pocket. Out of pocket. We paid your first year you took out loans. <laughs> a really 
atrocious amount so of money. So basically every... <laughs> oh. All the debt. Just so everyone knows for context, I'm going to tell the Stacy story. So we met with... Uh, what was she? She was like a... a she was a financial of, peace university certified right. planner, whatever their title is. <laughs> and she's like, well, bring all your bills and all your debt debts to the first meeting and we'll get a plan in place. Bring the whopper of a number. So, so we did and she lines them all up. <laughs> and of course, Carrie graduated with, not only did she not graduate college with debt, she actually had money in her pocket when she graduated college. Thanks grandma and grandpa. That's Thanks right. mom and dad. <laughs> Through some very generous gifts from her parents and Family's her Family's awesome. And I walked into this marriage with just a stack of college debt and was paying for seminary out of pocket. And so Stacy lines up all these, all of our debt payments. She lines up the payments for seminary and shows us the number. And what does Carrie do? We're like six months married at this point. She starts to cry. <laughs> Like, how is this possible? <laughs> this is a hole we will never get out of. Because you you weren't, that was so foreign to you. I mean, just pay your bills. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't like I, I didn't have stacks of credit cards. This no, was all from no, school. It just was, it was stupid money, right? Stupid tax. Is that what Ramsey calls it? Yeah, something like that. I mean, it was just, I don't even remember how much we paid off in what amount of time, but it was 60 grand in two years. It seemed in addition to paying for seminary as we went, Yeah, it was an astronomical number in my eyes because I just thought how on earth, how are we going to do this? Did this happen? And how on earth are we going to do this with what is coming in right now? Yeah. And so fast forward to like when you when that debt gets paid off and then we launch Think Digital Academy and you know I'm starting at that point to make in a month what I made in a year at the church. Right, right. And you know we don't have time to get into like <laughs> of the trajectory of kind of where that led to but Suffice to say, it was it was finally a point where I could breathe a little bit, and you know, from your perspective, I'm curious, what was that time frame like? Okay, so launch, things go bananas, and then we're like, okay, we have breathing room. Honest to goodness, I don't even remember. I mean, I just remember us being in the house, having two young kids, and just not being worried. Yeah. That's what I remember. I remember prior to us having kids, we had a handful of couples who were mentors to a lot of us and we would meet with them, you know, for breakfast, for lunch, whatever. And all of them in some form were entrepreneurs. Yeah. And I remember at the time, you know, I was getting up before work to have these meetings with Victoria was her name. And I remember thinking, I feel like these people just hang out all day. (laughs) 
They don't really go to an office. They can have lunch with people when they want. If they want to go work out at 10 o'clock in the morning, they can go do that. And I remember thinking, I don't know what they're doing, but I want that lifestyle because it's not the lifestyle that I had. Although I had a ton of flexibility and I was not in an office job where I was sitting behind a computer all day. I just thought that is insane. How do all these people have that life? And we have that life right now. And so I think it was too very strategic having those people in our life who we could use that to say, dang, that's amazing. How do we get that? Yeah. How do we do that? That just, you know, when you say that, it just, I look back and see, I look at for the themes and the themes that I see are like, uh, God getting us to a point where you, you and I both can see what we want, but looking at it almost like what we want is on the other side of the Grand Canyon. Right. And we, we have like a, a pole, like a pole vault and we're going to, there's no way to get there. Mm-hmm. And then he miraculously creates a way. Right. And then has, and I feel like that's been the case for this entire journey. And people got to remember, like, this has been, we've been talking about this for a half an hour, but we're summing up, I mean, how many years? A decade? For sure. I mean, maybe a little less. Of all those seeds being planted and that mindset being created and the stepping stones being built in order to get there. And just, it almost feels like it's because we're, you know, at least... Uh, to some degree, I feel like we're at that place again where we're starting to ask, okay, what's what's next? You know, we, you and I both have ideas of what we want, for instance, our next house to look like. And what we want, um, you know, just life with the kids to look like. And what we want their quality of life to look like. And what we want their inheritance to look like. But... But coming up against those roadblocks to say, man, that feels really big. How are we going to do that? And knowing that, you know, really, at least in our marriage, that that cyclist happened two, three times now. And knowing in the midst of all that, like God's not sitting in the corner pointing and laughing. Yeah. Like it's in the midst of all of that. He's there laying the groundwork just building things up to be refined to the point that they need to be for when they need to be revealed. And it works out and it's fine. So here's a real snapshot into our lives. I have to go pick up our son from swimming. So we need to wind down. If you were sitting across the table from one of these amazing listeners and you could say to them, if you're going to be an entrepreneur and have a a spouse that you want to stay married to, you need to do this. Build the vision, set the groundwork for the vision, lay it out for not only what the business looks like, but what your life looks like as a result of it and help get them on board. Because when you do that together, it makes so much more sense and it makes the whole process easier. Day to day, Do I know everything that Justin's doing and what he's working on? And I mean, 
No, not even a little bit. He sometimes talks about certain things or certain clients like, I know what's happening and I just grin and I listen and I, I don't know the ins and the outs. I know very big picture, right? But I know enough and I know where he's going and I know what the big picture plans are and I'm on board with that. And that's at the end of the day, that's truly what matters on board with the big stuff, little stuff, meh, big stuff, be on the same page. Super important. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Experimental. If you want to support the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. As small as it seems, it does wonders to grow the podcast and reach more entrepreneurs like you with the mission of this show. If you're interested in learning more about the work I do, head on over to starttheexperiment.com and take a look at some of the client success stories on the page. Until the next episode of Experimental, thanks for listening. <laughs>